Matthew can be a real buzzkill. His gospel is, in my opinion, the hardest for us would-be disciples because he sets a pretty high bar and draws a pretty hard line on living our faith. And he seems to take an inordinate amount of satisfaction in talking about judgment. Luke includes the phrase, weeping and gnashing of teeth, once. Mark uses it, not at all. But in Matthew, it appears six times. And Matthew emphasizes final judgment scenes more than any of the other Gospels. This is that time of year when our readings are focused on what Jesus has to say about the end times and his second coming. We don't like this subject too much anytime, but we really don't like it when Matthew tells us over and over again how hard it's going to be for us to end up on Jesus' good side. Our passage for today is part of a long response by Jesus that began way back at the beginning of chapter 24 when his disciples asked him, tell us, when will this be and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus warns of persecutions and false messiahs. He tells us that we cannot know when the Son of Man will come, so we must be obedient and prepared no matter how long the wait. And to drive home his message, he then tells three parables. With these parables, Jesus is answering the question, how are faithful disciples to live as they await Jesus' return? How are we to be kingdom people in the in-between time? The first parable tells of a wise and wicked slave. As you can probably imagine, it doesn't end well for the wicked slave. As Matthew almost gleefully tells us, the wicked slave is cut into pieces by the master and, you guessed it, sent where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Next week, we'll look at the third parable, the parable of the talents. Our parable for today is the second of the three. It is the parable of the ten bridesmaids. Ten bridesmaids await the arrival of the bridegroom. We're told that five are wise and five are foolish. Based on that first parable's outcome, I'm already pretty worried about these foolish bridesmaids. The bridegroom is delayed, and all ten bridesmaids fall asleep as they wait for him. They are awakened by the announcement that the bridegroom is coming. They sit up, and they prepare their lamps to accompany him into the wedding banquet. This is when the five foolish bridesmaids figure out that they don't have enough oil to keep their lamps burning. They have to borrow some from the wise bridesmaids who thought to bring along their flasks of oil. But these bridesmaids say, no, if we give you some, then there won't be enough for all of us. You better go buy your own oil. When the foolish bridesmaids return with their purchase, the bridegroom has arrived, everyone has gone into the banquet, and the door is shut. And they call out to the bridegroom through the door, but he refuses to let them in, insisting that he does not know them. Well, since I've already been complaining about Matthew, I might as well keep going. I really dislike this parable. Judgmental Matthew is the only gospel writer who includes this story. 
and I think it stinks. I don't think any of these folks come off looking good. First, there's the bridegroom. He's the one that caused the crisis by being late. And when he finally gets there and starts the party, he wants to judge the foolish bridesmaids for being late. That really sounds like the pot calling the kettle black. Then look at those wise bridesmaids. Yes, they were prepared. Yes, they remembered to bring extra oil. But they fell asleep waiting, just like the other bridesmaids. It's not as if they were more attentive. And how selfish and snotty not to share some of their oil with the other girls. More than this, they actually send them away. So they definitely share the blame that the foolish bridesmaids weren't there when the groom arrived. You can almost hear their unspoken rebuke. See, this is what happens when you don't think things through and plan for every eventuality. We're the ones who pay attention to the details, who are prepared. We're always having to bail out people like you. Well, not this time. What goes around comes around. Go get your own oil. The actions of the wise bridesmaids are marked by hoarding and worry and selfishly disregarding others. And even though I feel that the punishment does not at all fit the crime, I'm not happy with those foolish bridesmaids either. Maybe they're the type that always assume that someone else is going to take care of them, is going to pick up their slack. Maybe they've skated through life on their looks or their charm, and they benefit from having to deal with the consequences of their actions, or in this case, inaction. And why did they put more value in refueling than in being present and ready? They become concerned with that which is not of ultimate concern, and so are absent when the bridegroom comes. They miss the entire point of being there, the chance to go in with the bridegroom to the celebration. Yeah, I don't like any of them. While I'm talking smack about scripture, does this really sound like the kingdom of heaven? Is this how it works that one apparently arbitrary decision sets the line between inclusion and exclusion from the party? If the bridegroom is meant to represent Jesus, is this consistent with all the Jesus stories that we've seen and seen him be revealed in other parts of scripture? Let's do a little example. Let's put the image of Jesus in this parable up against Jesus' teaching from the Sermon on the Mount. And let's see what we get. Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven. Although to get there, you're going to need a large reserve of oil. So forget what I said. Store up for yourselves oil on earth so that you will have treasure in heaven. Or, therefore, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Worry about your oil. That's the main thing. Worry about whether you have enough for you and forget about everybody else. They are not your concern. Or, 
Ask, and it will be given you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open for you. Unless, of course, you're late, in which case you might as well forget it because the bridegroom is not going to let you in. Here's my redeemed version of this parable. The wise bridesmaids share their oil with the foolish bridesmaids because they know that on any given day, they could find themselves in the other group. And it would be nice to know that someone might be willing to be gracious and help them out. Then none of them had enough oil to keep their lamps going long enough, but they were all present when the bridegroom arrived. And it didn't matter about the oil because once they got into the wedding banquet, there was plenty of light for all. In the kingdom of heaven, lack is transformed to fullness. And those who share their oil with whoever asks are only living out the teaching of Jesus that Matthew gives us just a few verses later. There, we are told that when we are willing to get involved with and serve others, we are actually serving Jesus himself. Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry or thirsty or naked or sick or in prison or without oil and took care of you? And he will say, truly, I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these, you did it to me. According to Matthew's Jesus, this is what gets you in the sheep line versus the goat line at the final judgment. This is what gets you into the wedding banquet. Amen.